Welcome to South Island Hardcore. I'm Jack McEnroy, Steve Walsh here. Hello. Today we'll be taking you through some local news. We're on Twitter at SLHC and go to southlondonhardcore.com for all your back episodes and... Related goodness. Instagram at SLHC, facebook.com slash southlondonhardcore. Some exciting local news, Steve, no doubt. Some big issues we'll be tackling. But let me just bring you some news, Steve, today, right? I'm sure you'll be as excited as I was, right? I was walking down Liverpool Grove in Woolworth today, and I saw a guy in a South London hardcore t-shirt. No, a complete stranger. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't believe he's wearing the white one with the black SLHC on it. Right. And I didn't, uh, well, as soon as I said it to the key to my sister Kezia, I told him, and I was like, did you speak to him? And it, he can't, he, can he was going, would you? Yeah, he's how would you, A, you know, higher, you know, but um, B, like he was walking into his house, but if you're listening, uh, guy on Liverpool Grove <laughs> in the South London Hardcore t-shirt, like, what's up? Get in touch with us on Twitter. Let us know. It was so yeah, exciting, Steve. You, but particularly, you, you know, you can't approach that guy at the best time. As he walks into his house, you can't really yeah, go, excuse me, I, mate. I'm yeah, from that show. Because he's just like, I've got, we've got, he'll just go inside and go, we've got to move. There's a, a lunatic that's just following me I around. don't know what this t-shirt means. <laughs> yeah, this is the thing. He could have been the recipient of a gift from that person that bought eight t-shirts, isn't it? Maybe they did buy that one. Lakeisha was insistent that he must know me or my family. I was like, I don't know him. And she's like, you know, it's just opposite the school. Your parents yeah, yeah. working and stuff. I was like, he didn't He didn't look like he had kids. Yeah. She's like, he could have. I'm like, you weren't even there. Someone likes the show and bought a t-shirt. <laughs> Lakeisha, you might just have to accept that someone likes this show. You don't, but, you know. On a similar note, Steve, you had a birthday, didn't you, last week? I did. 25. And and again, and uh, Paul Shin, who we mentioned uh, on the Horniman Museum episode, we did. drew you a lovely. Uh, we'll have to share it on Twitter. Yeah, it's a remarkable picture, isn't it? Yeah, it's uh, you, Steve, holding a comic, saying comics, which is great. What's the comic you're holding? DP Seven Issue One. Right, that's the level of. It's detail. an obscure Marvel title from the eighties. It's one of my favourite comics ever, and Paul knew that, but didn't just uh, like sketch in DP Seven One. Went to trouble of finding. Mm. Uh, an image, scanned it in, resized it so it fits into my tiny little comic holding hand. And you're on sitting on an overstuffed walrus. I am. His website is Paul Shin Draws, and Paul Shin draws loads of brilliant things. My, one, my favourite Paul Shin related drawing moment until he drew that wonderful picture of me was this, this great cartoon of like uh, a couple of penguins. And I was like, that penguin thing was brilliant. And I was like, how long does that take? And he was like, Eight minutes, and I was like, "No, oh, he I couldn't himself. believe." Well, he was just like going, just like not. He knows how long he's taking to draw something, and I was like, "That's like an hour, isn't it?" Like, no, mm. just he's like, great at likenesses as well, isn't he? Yeah, on well, top and of everything, you kind of you don't need to, you know, just the fact that you're on a walrus would have yeah. given it away that it's you. But well, and it's the thing: there's an element of caricature, but an element of portraiture as well. You know, he's very, very, very good. But similarly, uh, I mentioned it to Lakeisha, and Lakeisha goes, "Why is he on a walrus?" <laughs> I'm like, do you, you don't ever <laughs> listen to the show unless... Uh... But she was at the Hornby Museum with us. She's been to the Hornby Museum with school trips, I imagine. She wasn't well. listening. She wasn't listening. But you just... Yeah, I don't know. Some other exciting news, Steve. You've been nominated for a British Comics Award. Long-listed. I say long, nominated, long-listed. Long and, you know, it's, it's very nice to be nominated. Lifetime for... Achievement Award. <laughs> at 25... The thing about, uh, and this isn't uh, anything disparaging about people longlisted for the British Comic Awards, but a look at the long list for the British Comic Awards is pretty much, oh, there was a comic made in the last year. It's a very, 
it's a conference. There's still people that are moaning they weren't on it. And the organizer has to explain, you're allowed to nominate yourself. So if you're not on it, you can't. You don't really have the right to go to. I go, can't believe I wasn't nominated. Did you nominate? Of course not. I'm not going to nominate myself. Yeah. Am I? Well, then you're not going to get nominated, apparently. So, so Wu Wei, which uh, you contributed to, was nominated for what best spiritual an- comic anthology? <laughs> uh, uh, it's nominated for best book um, in the Taoist uh, category. <laughs> yeah, it's nominated for best spiritual book alongside the Quran and the Bible. So we, we've got high hopes. You can joke about that, can't you? I reckon yeah. we'll be fine. Um, yeah, no, uh, a strip in there that I did with Owen Pomery, a supplier of our, what would you call it? Logo? Yeah, logo. Yeah, I always call it a profile picture. We have so many the... different logos knocking about, but <laughs> the one that's with all the lines is Owen Pomery, isn't yeah. it? He's nominated several times. Five times. Two of his comics nominated in Best Comic. Two anthologies that he's in nominated as uh, Best Book. And he has been nominated as uh, Best Breakthrough. Emerging Talent. Emerging Talent. Which I've, I think he's got to win that. Isn't he? I don't know any of the other people. I haven't looked at their work. <laughs> but I'm all about Owen Pomery winning Emerging Talent. The Mega Theorem Club, as you said, Steve. And uh, Billboard's 4, Any Given Funeral. Which is the best one so far, I reckon. I think so, yeah. It just builds every issue, doesn't it? It's great. Also nominated Jazz Greenwood, the festival for the festival. Avery Hill Publishing again, yeah, which Avery is Hill great. Few, Must, few you notes. should go out and buy it. I mean, you can't vote in this, but yeah, you know, Lenny Henry's Lenny Henry's deciding. So, <laughs> and so is. Uh, do you know Gareth David from the band Los Campesinos? Uh, I'd never heard of him right. until he was uh, announced as a judge for this. Right? Do you do? Yeah, because he's on Twitter, yeah, and he's verified, right? Right. Which, you know, I think the record company must have got the whole band verified. So what he did on the dead as a deadline day prank, yeah, like, and it was later revealed to be like the serial football guys were sort of behind it, you know, with him. Um, he changed his profile picture to uh, Martin Samuel and changed his name to at Martin Samuel and uh, they kept the blue tick. Kept the blue tick. Right. And obviously Martin Samuel is a uh, big football journalist. I don't just mean his face, but he's also <laughs> his, uh, he's a big name in football journalism who's not on Twitter. Right. So And he started this rumour. I can't remember what the rumour was. Some Liverpool rumour, I think. Uh, so going to Arsenal. <laughs> it was like two deadlines ago. And uh, yeah, it was just getting loads of retweets. There's loads of journalists piping in going, this is not... I've spoken to Martin Samuel. He said he's still not on Twitter. <laughs> and like, all oh, there, there's there's oh, it's me guys, the singer from... Uh, well, I don't know if it's a singer, whatever he is, from uh, Los Campesinos. Okay. Uh, you know, with uh, Callum TH involved. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's quite amusing. Man. Yeah, good fun. Other comic news, Steve, from stuff on the hardcore guys. Richie K. Chandler, Tempo Lush, who was on one of our best episodes, I thought. Really enjoyed having him on. Some great Dulwich talk, weren't there? Yeah, no, Richie's uh, brilliant. He got a story in Adventure Time magazine. That's right. Which is so exciting. Such yeah. a thrill, isn't it? Adventure Time is a kids' TV show that also works very well for adults. Uh, and and also brilliant. works very well as a comic. Yeah, apparently, apparently a good comic, an yeah, amazing really TV show. And uh, he's got a story in the magazine. So That's you're... what's nice about working in a comic shop and getting to know people like Richie is they, they end up doing things that you get excited about, mm. things that, you know, interest you personally. It's not just a case of, you know, you, you, you have friends occasionally 
doing creative things, and like I'm sure our friends go for it a long. We're talking about uh, this show where you sort of feign interest and you pretend you're listening, <laughs> yeah. and you know, Lakeisha, yeah. for example, she, yeah, she why pretend you're, she's why listening. Why you're not always? Oh yeah. <laughs> but um, when when it's someone like Richard doing something like that, you just sort of go, uh, "That's brilliant." You don't yeah. need to feign the excitement. You're just genuinely excited for the guy. It's great. Yeah, hardworking guy, and he's talented. Yeah. You know, yeah. got it all. Got it all. He hasn't got that long, luscious hair anymore, but <laughs> didn't look beautiful in that picture. Yeah, uh, Gary Norfield did the best comment underneath. Get me your sister's phone number. <laughs> Who is Gary Norfield? Uh, Gary Norfield is another brilliant South London-based uh, comics creator. Oh yeah. Uh, currently got a book called The uh, Tales of the Terrible Teeny Tiny Swords um, out, um, and he's working on. Uh, a new project called oh, I'm going to forget the name now. I think it's Julius Zoo, and it's about a zebra who's a gladiator. And uh, Gary put a great picture on Facebook the other day, which is basically a stack. No, no issues with hoofs. <laughs> uh, he, he put a, a picture on Facebook, and it was like a stack twelve deep of academic books on uh, gladiatorial Rome. And even though he's doing this very cartoony, very funny, mm. very silly book about animal gladiators, that's the thing about people like Richie and Gary. They'll do... Put the work in. Absolutely. They'll just yeah. do you know, incredible research and then transform it into this, this wonderful thing. You can get all these uh, comics we're recommending at Gosh in uh, Berwick Street. One, Berwick Street, Soho. Wu Wei, Steve. That's your one, isn't it? Yeah. Right. So you've got signed by the author stickers on... How many contributors are there in Wuwei? 27. Right, there's a, there's one up there, yeah. It says signed by the author and it's literally only signed by you. <laughs> Access to <laughs> Who, who uh, just saw some folk tales and put his name on it. <laughs> signed by the author. Cheers, Steve Wolf. <laughs> if you do come into a gosh to buy a copy of Wuwei and I'm behind the counter, do ask me to do... Uh, a sketch because it can drop the value of that book by about 30 <laughs> immediately. Trouble with looking for local news at the moment, Steve, is every time you pick up like the South London Press and the Southern News, it's just about statue thefts. That it's about two statue thefts that they've managed to get so much uh, mileage out of. It's the same what you're like, oh, someone's stolen some more statues. Oh no, it's Barbara Hepworth again. It's, <laughs> it's from 18 months ago. It's the same theft. It's not headline news anymore. Great Greenwich Burger Off has been cancelled. That's headline news, isn't it? Yeah, quite a, a Twitter spat as well. Did you see that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Great Greenwich Burger Off, uh, is it like at GGBO? And I think it was an even longer name right. at one point. Like, even less obvious where it was. <laughs> like, Greenwich, at Greenwich Burger would have been fine. You know, there was a lot of, like, tweets. People getting well into it. Yeah, buying ingredients, like, proper chefs it. and, like, yeah. you know, uh, small restaurants or whatever. And then there was some a late notice cancellation by Shop Greenwich or something, which is like the Shoppers Association, is it? Shop, not Shoppers, Shop. They seem to think it was some sort of council-related issue with health and safety. I think the council were worried about a lot of people turning up at a market, which you'd imagine if you're a market holder, you go, can we sack all these people? <laughs> got to worry about too yeah. many people turn up to buy my stuff. Because if that's your problem... Yeah, it all sounds a bit... Uh... But, and also, with this whole Twitter thing, I think the guy's burnt his bridges as well. There's not going to be another one. <laughs> the, uh, the best bit... The great Deford burger off. The best bit was, um, at one point... Because basically, his thing was, they wanted a private email uh, or phone number to contact him. And he was like, no, do it all 
on Twitter so that everyone can see. Um, and they were like, please just send us an email. And he's like, no, no, tell everyone your reasons in public. Mm. Don't sort of, you know, do an email. Then he started changes. like pasting emails, then he put yeah. screen in. But emails from Greenwich Hospital. That's where I got a bit lost. Well, there was a great bit where uh, someone called Mr. Greenwich was retweeting uh, key elements of the thing. And someone from Shock Greenwich or the council sort of went, just to be clear, this guy is also the guy behind the Great Reason. <laughs> and he was like, when did I say I wasn't? <laughs> In your bio. Yeah, <laughs> I think it was. I think it was sort of like also that like, he's like it's not you know uh, subterfuge. It's just and like that's the thing. If you do have you know you will will post things on other accounts and retweet it through stuff on mm, and vice versa. So that's so. what you do, isn't it? That's yeah. Twitter. I and mean, it gets annoying it? for people when you're like, can you stop retweeting yourself? But no, I won't. <laughs> but I don't think of it as retweeting. It's cross tweeting, isn't it? You're tweeting it to different people that saw it originally. So when uh, they're going. Just to be clear, like, uh, you know, Mr. The, the idea that someone called Mr. Greenwich wouldn't uh, retweet something about Greenwich uh, and also about his own activities uh, in Greenwich, it's all like, this is uh, outrageous. Not really. I was quite looking forward to it, though, genuinely. Love a burger. Big fan you? of burgers, yeah. yeah. Trouble is, Steve, with these things, some people will go mad and make it... Like, you know, Heston Blumenthal, I feel like I might have even mentioned this on the show before. I think every other episode we get this uh, Heston Blumenthal burger story. Yeah, but basically, you need to get it in your mouth. Yeah. So people just go mental. You know what? It was that other Greenwich burger thing where it was like a sort of six patty. Yeah, stack. that was the last logo new special, lovely. Wasn't yeah. It? Yeah. It's all Greenwich burgers, isn't it? Greenwich <laughs> burger on. <laughs> Talking of things that we've discussed on the show previously, my first headline references something we've talked about in detail at least twice before on the show. But I make no apologies for mentioning it again. I'll give you the headline first. Anger as Peter the Great's tree faces the chop. What's happened? There's a mulberry tree in Deptford in Saves Court Park, which is the park that was made from John Evelyn's garden. So, to give a fuller picture, John Evelyn, a diarist who had Peter the Great stay as a guest while he was studying shipbuilding in Deptford, um, had these wonderful gardens and grounds that have survived as parks to this day, and a mulberry tree. In the park through neglect, apparently, and I was trying to work out the mechanism. I'm not, you know, this is the thing, I don't want to shatter any illusions. I'm not a tree surgeon, I'm not a qualified, <laughs> no, you know, they took the license away. You shouldn't do that to a tree, apparently. <laughs> but um, it sounds like basically this tree wasn't pruned. You know, when you see uh, people from the council just like lopping, yeah, off when you're a kid, Pollarding? you're like, why are they doing that? Is that the phrase, or am I thinking of Rob Pollard? Pollarding, Could be both, yeah. But I think Pollarding is... That'd be is... perfect. I think Rob Pollard would appreciate that. <laughs> I think it is lopping off the top of the tree, so it doesn't get too top-heavy. And I think what's happened here is this mulberry tree was allowed to outgrow itself, and a couple of branches split off, and right. it's basically fatally wounded the tree, and now it's going to have to be chopped down because it's going to die, essentially, oh, well. and it's falling apart. But it's had 300 years, is one way of looking at it. But the locals are up in arms... Because local legend has it that this mulberry tree was planted by Peter the Great. As I say, we've talked about Peter the Great and he's staying in Deptford on the show previously. Yeah, if you go to our episode guide, go to the Deptford episode, which is, uh, I don't know, scroll down, you find it. <laughs> Control F, in it? Or Apple F. You find and it. we talked about Peter the Great's statue uh, in Deptford. Yeah, just a few Marcus, weeks ago. Yeah, quite, quite recently. And if you listen to either of those episodes, and again, I'll, I'll make the point again now. Good ones. There's nothing that indicates that Peter the Great, while he was staying there, was going, I think I might plant a tree. No. 
Yeah. If anything, quite the opposite. He's wrecking the gaff, <laughs> isn't he? And it's it's a sort of thing where these people are sort of going, "This is outrageous that mm. the council let this happen." Peter the Great said it, and he planted a tree. And I was like, "If you're local historians, do you even listen to the show?" Yeah. <laughs> but also, it was a matter of public record. Like you know, Samuel Pepys was the uh, the government assessor who worked out the amount of damage that Evelyn had to be uh, compensated for. So it's not like. There's no record of this event happening. Two of the most famous diarists in... uh... Yeah, diarists all all (laughs) over the place. Yeah, so there seems to be outrage that this tree's been allowed to happen when it's part... So my issue would be, it wasn't... There's no way it was planted by Peter the Great. There's nothing that we know from historical record that would indicate Peter the Great was planting mulberry trees while he was staying in Deptford. But is is people's issue that um, the, the pollarders... In the, the Rob Pollards, if you will, <laughs> of uh, Lewisham Council, uh, incompetent. Yeah, essentially, a blaming council incompetence, council failing but to it's not uh, like maintain a, It's the not tree. just widespread, is it? It's not like every tree in Deptford has is, is, uh, just been incorrectly pollarded, is it? No, exactly, yeah. But someone pointed out, apparently, mulberry wood is very good for turning and carving, so we hope to be able to salvage a portion of the fallen branch in order to create a lasting memento to the many years of Deptford history this tree has witnessed. Maybe a, a Wilbur. <laughs> and that would be great wouldn't it a wheelbarrow maybe next to a holly bush yeah. and like, if you know then you'll go alright I get it if you don't know if you don't know yeah <laughs> next headline again echoing something we've talked about on the show previously but hopefully shedding a little more light on a point that will clarify once for all how wrong headed some people can be the headline is undercover officer behind Stephen Lawrence family smear claim denied immunity so an officer that was working for the police force at the time of the Stephen Lawrence uh, investigation has come forward to tell people that there was definitely a campaign to smear the Lawrence family, including Stephen Lawrence, orchestrated by the police force and encouraged by members of the police force. But he wants immunity from prosecution on the basis of this. Two points here. There's no need to investigate any further. There was definitely a campaign to smear the Lawrence family and Stephen Lawrence. Because, here's the thing. If you want to report something and you're making it up, you don't ask to be given immunity from that charge, do you? No, you don't. You, it, it definitely happened if you're saying, but I don't want to get in trouble for it. So, it, it definitely happened. And, and to echo the point, and again, this goes back uh, a long way, I think. Uh, our episode where we talked about arguing with racists on the internet, mm. which is uh, a tremendous waste of time because yeah. they're not looking for logic or truth. They just want their lies that help to make their tiny minds uh, happy. But while we were discussing other things with racists on the internet, um, one of the things that was dragged up was the idea that Stephen Lawrence was a drug dealer. Mm. And that everyone, and this was the thing, everyone in the area yeah. knew he was a drug dealer. And, you know... That kind of that comment sent me over the edge. Oh yeah, it was it was outrageous, scummy little individual. You're talking about a murder victim who can't can't defend himself because he's dead. Mm. Police records indicate that there was no contact between the police and Stephen Lawrence in terms of. I mean, if you want to look for drug dealers involved in the the murders, look look at the murderers. Look at the murderers have a long uh, criminal record. You know, not for murder, unfortunately, in in all the cases. Yeah, if you did hear stories in the Eltham area about Stephen Lawrence being a drug dealer, just to give you the full story, that would have been a lie 
perpetrated or at least enabled by your local police force mm. to cover up their failure to investigate the murder of an innocent man. So let's not pretend any longer that there's any shred of truth to any disparaging information you've got about the Stephen Lawrence family because we've got a policeman now who's confirmed that it definitely happened. It's just these things come out, like, you know, the one recently, I mean, obviously the whole Hillsborough thing. Yeah. But, you know, even the most recent development that they took money out of the victims' yeah. pockets to put in the police yeah. benevolence fund or whatever it is. Like, but these things, they just don't shock you, do they? They're so vile, <sighs> such vile behaviour. It's just, it, it's, it's not a, really shocking. This is the behaviour of the police. All it? it does is just confirm mm. your thoughts, isn't it? And, and as I say, confirm your thoughts with evidence, not confirming yeah. your thoughts with, here's what I heard, uh, you know, someone talking about on the street the other day. You know, there are financial records that show that police took money from murder victims. You know, uh, in the same way as the son accused innocent people of doing that, the police were actually doing that. And as I say, uh, similarly here with the accusations and the smears made against the Lawrence family, you know, uh, we've got a policeman. And just the, the temerity of the man to sort of go, I, I'll, uh, by the way, the important thing to remember from this headline is... Uh, uh, denied immunity. So, uh, goods, goods. Yeah. Uh, he won't go to prison because, no, as we know, uh, he's, a, he's a police officer yeah. and uh, you can kill people and not go to prison if you're a police officer, let alone uh, lie about a murder victim and his family who are grieving the death of their son. I mean, anything after that is going to lighten the mood, almost, Steve. Yeah, yeah. This headline, Steve. Fox found licking face of sleeping six-year-old in fourth-floor bedroom. <laughs> it's, that was in Clapham. <laughs> Just going to say, I love this. And this is a, such a, uh, a a trademark of local news. Detail on it. <laughs> Not Fox found licking child's face in flat. Fox. <laughs> I'm surprised they haven't worked out the breed yeah. or, or uh, the gender of the fox. Vixen found uh, licking six-year-old and four-month's yeah. child's face in 4-4 bedroom. Brackets. Of, of Clapham Home. So it was a £1.5 million Clapham house. That tells you kind of what part of Clapham we're talking about. Yeah. And uh, the mother... If you want it to be foxproof, it's one7 There's like That's like the minimum you can But the mother, who obviously came in, was quite shocked to see the, uh, you know, a rodent, I suppose, isn't it? The thing Wild is, animal. It's the sort of thing, in a kid's story, you'd sort of yeah. go, brilliant. If it was drawn... Yeah, have you ever uh, read um, Elmore Leonard, A Coyote in the House? No, no. It's great. It's a right. kid's book. Elmore right, Leonard, okay. who uh, recently passed away, my favourite uh, author, wrote uh, one kid's book. It's kind of in the, uh, what's this, 9 to 12 section? Okay. It's about this uh, coyote that wanders into the house of a Hollywood, couple of Hollywood dogs. Right. So it's like, you know, they're like, it's like hum- humans. Yeah, yeah. And they've got two dogs that are in films. Yeah. And, and at one point they end up in a Harry Dean Stanton film and they think this coyote is a dog and they try and put him in the movies. This is my really, really Leonard kid story I've ever heard of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I found the picture on my, when I was looking, when I died, I was looking for, on my computer for a picture I'd taken where I've got like 35 Elmer Leonard novels on a shelf and I couldn't find it but I came across this uh, recommend card I'd written. I took a photo of it, you know, at Waterstones. And it, um, it said something. It was for a quote who was in the house. And it's like, no sign of Detroit gangsters or Oklahoma lawmen, but the lean prose and razor sharp dialogue is trademark Elmer Leonard. Someone along those lines. Just classic record. I'll take it. Classic Jack McEnroe recommend card. 
Yeah, but this is a much lesser. Uh, I think the woman sort of chased the fox into a spare room and eventually got a neighbour to get rid of it. But that'd be terrifying if you came in and saw a kid, uh, fox licking your kid's face, man. Yeah. Apparently, um, the mother's theory was that it was the. Uh, it's just because because it's thing is I put cream on my kid all the time. Yeah, like every day. She yeah. needs moisturising cream because it's coming from a Clapham mum. Yeah. Like it's like you know we think it might have been the fruit the fruit flavoured uh, moisturising cream that we put on <laughs> on our daughter's face. But I've been saying, I mean, obviously everyone's been saying it for some time that this fox situation is like, it's creeping up on us, isn't it? They're taking over. Well, I won't go that far, but <laughs> you see, like, and this is not, this is not now. This is like even five years ago. Like, I say when I was a kid, you never saw a fox. Yeah, right? yeah. At night, you might see some eyes. Like, What's that fox? It was yeah. like tremendous excitement. It was a moment, wasn't it? Car. it was, yeah. So that fox. Remember that time you saw that fox? So we think it was a fox. Now, and as I said five years ago, maybe even ten years ago at this point, no, probably not even that long, you'd see, like, you know, on a high street, you can see a fox walking along at midday. Yeah. Just walking along. Last week, uh, on the bus on the way to work, uh, just saw a fox trotting down Penn High Street. Middle of the middle of Fox trotting. <laughs> yeah, when I lived up um, Telegraph Hill, there's a church there called House of Bread, which would have, like, midnight deliveries of bread so I'm not, I don't know if it, how literal it was I presume it worked metaphorically as well are you sure it was a church and it wasn't actually a <laughs> bakery <laughs> no I think it was a bit of both maybe but there was I remember once walking I was collecting Lakeisha from somewhere and I'm walk, walking through at like midnight or whatever and there was a, two foxes went up to you know the church and one went through the gate and the other one stood there and kept watch and I was walking past and... Uh, <laughs> Can't watch. <laughs> Listen to yourself. No, no, honestly. honestly. And, and it was looking at me, yeah? And his eyes were following. I was walking down the street, like... And I was like, he's keeping watch. While the other one goes in to get the bread out of the house of bread. And, like, the other... And it, like, even did a couple of steps towards me. And I just, like, looked down. As if, like, I could see I don't it. Only trouble. I don't yeah, trouble. it was like that. Yeah. And then this fox just, like, kept... Just stared me out. There was no sort of ducking under a car. You know, you see a And see this a lorry comes out. Foxy's driving it. Like, <laughs> get in, get in. Uh, but it's not, you know. It's, it's. I wonder if this thing's, gonna, if this is going to get increasingly common. I'm wondering how often you're watching Fantastic Mr. Fox because <laughs> it does sound like uh, it's a daily thing. It's just there was like, a, a story recently space. about a fox attacking a child, and there was yeah. some people dubious about it because they don't attack children. Yeah, but I mean, there's always the chance. Like we had, I don't know if I should say this, Steve, but at school the other day, the school I work in. They, someone came and go oh this kid's been attacked by a squirrel and you're like alright that never happens and like this kid's second day of school he's four and they bring the kid in he's got claw marks oh across both cheeks he's got a, an eye that eventually turns to a black eye over the course of like the ten minutes like he's got a claw mark under, right underneath his eye and like we just I couldn't get over it like the kid looked like he looked really in a bad state the kid weren't yeah, bothered yeah. And even the mum was just like, oh no, no, he's been attacked by a squirrel. But the kid weren't bothered. Not really, no. I mean, I guess he might have been in shock a little bit. But he but the seemed. Mum like, was. But you wouldn't believe it, the scratch on this kid's yeah, face, yeah. man. Like the, kid, like the thing must have like held onto his face, the squirrel. I'll give the headline, and then you can hopefully uh, embellish and give the vital detail. Supporters Trust secures community asset listing for ground. Name the club. Dulwich Hamlet. Of course it's Dulwich Hamlet. Because if it's something positive happening in football, if it's a wonderful thing happening, if it's someone, uh, I was going to say playing the system, not playing the system, just using the system, isn't it? Uh, 
to their own advantage and working in a positive way for their own club against the fans of the Champions Football Club. Um, you know what? This for the game today, or two days ago, when the podcast comes out, they uh, gave four hundred free tickets to the kids at uh, in my school, and uh, it also included half price for adults. Anyone coming with them? Absolutely. So, Did they all get taken up? I I sent them around the classes, yeah. so like every kid went home with one. Right. And I, gave, actually... I gave a couple to one of the teachers who's got kids as well. But I don't know how many are going to... Well, one person I spoke to, I was like, you should make sure you go, you know. But we'll see. You know. I mean, they're not expecting Local, 400 kids to turn up. Yeah, exactly. I was like, and then I put in the school newsletter. Oh, is it? Yeah, I put, uh, you know, you can go and watch Champions for free. Yeah. Support your local club. And I put my dad's uh, badge in there. Honestly, the child gets a chance to see Ohono uh, Zuma at that mm. age. It can be formative. You know, you get to see one of... One of now look, Juan Mata has been effectively driven out of Chelsea. One of the best players in London, Striking South stuff. London, definitely. <laughs> yeah, South London, absolutely. It's like him or Maro and Shamak, and it. <laughs> so it's him. <laughs> yeah, the Dutch Hamlet Supporters Trust have managed to secure Champion Hill a listing as an asset of community value. This means for the next five years, any owner of the property has to apply to the council before they can sell the freehold or release longer than 25 years. At that point, community groups have six weeks to then decide whether they would like to express an interest in bidding for the property. So it doesn't prevent the sale of the land for the club to unscrupulous property developers, but it gives you a greater chance of blocking it than you would normally have. Shout out to the Pigeon Sands. Yeah, the Southwark News said they were instrumental. Yeah, yeah. Great work. Securing it, yeah. Not just going out there and uh, reporting on non-league football, getting involved and uh, preserving assets in non-league football. It's the first move of its type, is that right, Steve? I think it's the first in London. Right, okay. Because, you know, it's a big problem, obviously, in football. Owners coming in. I mean, a cliche is that it's foreign owners, but we'll ignore that because that's not accurate. And, you know, they do what they want with the club, change the kit, you know, bankrupt the club So in some occasions. Change the name of the team. Yeah, all those things. Yeah. But, you know, what? and, and what the worst case scenario is that they end up, the, the ground, you lose the ground. Like, so yeah. the Coventry are now playing in Northampton, despite yeah. the fact they've got, like, one of the, you know, one of the best stadiums in the country, almost. Wimbledon, Certainly top Wimbledon 20. FC are playing in Milton Keynes. This yeah. is what can happen. They'll move the, the club to another place mm-hmm. and the league will go along with it. But yeah, this I think the idea with this is that you at least kind of secure the ground, isn't it? Yeah. Because absolutely. it was it came up in the news. I didn't really quite follow it before before uh, Dulwich Hamlet were involved. But there was something in Manchester where some... Was it one of the Glazers was getting involved just like kind of trying to oppose in it? Well, Old Trafford has got a similar listing to this. Right, yeah. So, obviously, again, because the Man United Supporters Trust uh, are also very active and vocal. Yeah, of course they are, yeah. Again, you sort of have to be at the moment because... Yeah, they do, yeah. You do get a feeling that the You never know, are, do you? you never yeah, know no, what's going to happen. Yeah. Because these, these people that are, for all their talk and all their um, wearing of... Uh, yeah, carpet shirt baggers, or, isn't Yeah, they're, they're, they're there to make money. So, mm. you know... Unless they're owner of Abramovich, in which case they're there to spend money, money. and yeah, 
discovered today. I was reading about, I think it's, uh, things. I might get some of the names wrong here, but it's UKIP, so I don't really care. They're not really, you know, important figures, are they? No. Uh, reading about Godfrey Bloom, who was like some UKIP member and said something offensive. And uh, he's basically being kicked out of the party by Nigel Farage, because Nigel Farage is like, you know, there's certain things you just can't say. Mm. In the course of reading the article, um, discovered two very interesting facts. Uh, one which uh, just confirmed a lot of things I thought about Nigel Farage. Another one that really upset me. Nigel Farage, when he was at school, was made a prefect. And his one of his teachers wrote a letter, which has turned up this week. I think it's Channel 4 News found a copy of the letter. Wrote a, a letter to the headmaster. Sort of going, why are you making this guy a prefect? Uh, he's on report for singing Hitler youth songs while uh, doing cadet duties. Like he was just like going around the town, um, shouting out fascist slogans and singing uh, Nazi songs. Um, so that came out this week. How but, has he responded to that? Um, it was a long time ago. Who knows yeah, what? Yeah. I did. No outright denials because like it definitely happened. Because mm. like this is the thing: teachers don't write letters to headmasters about no. uh, incidents that didn't happen. Um, but the upsetting thing was, he was a prefect at Dulwich College. Oh, right. Yeah. Where is that? So he's like alumni. I mean, he only stayed for a while. And we'll do a Dulwich College at some point and talk about uh, the many interesting... Yeah, we won't talk about him again, though, will we? N- well, no. If only he yeah. died in that helicopter crash. <laughs> but yeah, it was just really upsetting to sort of go, oh, this is, you know, unfortunate. It's like when we found out Andy Coulson lived in uh, South London, isn't it? Like get out. Is he South London? That's for us. Well, no, but I'm saying like the no, fact. But is he though? I don't think. I hope not. I hope not. We'll have to revise the ten worst South Londoners, wouldn't we? Take yeah. Naomi Campbell. Well, out. actually, did we? No, we didn't do uh, people who say for Did we? It had to be. M- well, there's a couple, but What's mostly, that? yeah. Get Farage in, isn't it? Yeah. Don't want to talk about him any further, though, Steve. To be honest. No, no. It was just a. Uh, yeah, just sort of not even doing research for this episode, just clicking through. Yeah, and that was the news, news, wasn't it? Yeah, the yeah. news generally, and you're like, ugh. So some good Dulwich news and some terrible yeah. Dulwich news. <laughs> well, here's the good news. If we want to look at it um, in terms of the pattern of behaviour, at some point 30 years ago, uh, uh, a scumbag happened to go to school in Dulwich and did some terrible things. Then went on the rest of his life to do some terrible things, but north of the river in Parliament. <laughs> Currently... Was, is in, he... Um, I mean, he's obviously... No, he's right. an MEP, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. What is up with... What's the MEP process? Does it not need to be changed because they're constantly getting fascists in? <laughs> yeah, you would have to make an argument. There's a lot of them, there, too many. Really. Yeah, I don't understand this thing, this MEP. I mean, I've never voted for a fascist, so what's. <laughs> That's not how democracy works. Some, some people will vote for fascists, unfortunately. But I'd say the good news is we can look at it as a pattern where 30 years ago this terrible man was uh, goose stepping his way around Dulwich singing Nazi songs. And today, uh, Dulwich Hamlet. Home of uh, some brave. of yeah the, the rabble, uh, some of uh, South London's brightest free thinkers, Vaughan style, Mishy, uh, is uh, a hotbed of uh, left wing insurgency. So you know, onwards and upwards. Right, Lakeisha was telling me. Do, do you remember a, a toy called Baby All Gone? No. Right, it was a. You might remember it from. You won't remember their name, but you might remember uh, 
like there was always like this kind of oh you know baby goes to sleep or whatever and it yeah, wets yeah. itself when you have to change the nappy yeah, and yeah. stuff but baby all gone you got these like sachets with it I suppose and made mixed it up and you fed the baby and yeah. then the baby would poo right and like baby all gone it would eat it all up right oh. and Lakeisha said she was reading online about these these people who fed it real food and maggots came out of the baby's oh. <laughs> maggots came out of the baby's mouth and bottom 